0: Podcast. What is up, College lacrosse fans? You're watching episode 175 of the Lax Factor Lacrosse Podcast. We are back again. Uh, the big announcement today here is now the the podcast will uh, include video on Spotify as well as on YouTube and all the other platforms we're on. So that was the kind of the thing that we were holding on to, waiting for it to be official. But now, if you are listening on Spotify, or if you're a listener in general and you want the option to be able to watch or listen depending on the moment. You can uh, actually listen to the podcast on Spotify and get the video version there. So that is cool. So we've just extended our reach a little bit. So that's awesome. But let's dive into what we're going to talk about today. Uh, uh, This one's for Tim Lamity here, uh, uh, an old pal of mine uh, in the lacrosse world here in the Binghamton lacrosse landscape, section four lacrosse landscape. Used to run our summer league and everybody that played lacrosse here in the late '90s, early 2000s, pretty much knows who Lamity is because of how great of a job he did running our summer league. When he found the podcast, he had asked me at one point, "Do I do I ever go back and revisit my predictions to see how smart or stupid I am?" And honestly, I never have. I I, I realize I just never put the time into going back. I didn't really care because I don't put a whole lot of stock in my predictions because I, as, as I always tell you all, I am absolutely terrible at predicting games. I just I'm I'm awful at it. And uh, so we're going to we're going to do that. I'm going to go back. I'm going to revisit my final uh, my NCAA tournament predictions for the first round into the final four into the finals. We're going to talk about that. And then we'll talk a little bit about USA versus UVA last night. I watched that game yesterday. I watched a little bit of the USA or Canada versus UVA and watched uh, the whole UVA and USA games. So we'll talk about that a little bit as well. As always, the easiest way you can help us out here, just hit the like button. If you're if you're watching on YouTube, just hit the like button. Subscribe. This is the season we're trying to get above 10,000 subscribers on YouTube. So please, if you haven't subscribed already, just hit that subscribe button. I'm not even going to try to tell you to hit the notification bell, just subscribe. And if you're on other platforms, just share the podcast. And then if you have a little bit of extra coin and you decide you want to support us beyond just liking, subscribing, and sharing or talking about it, whatever, You can go to laxfactor.com, get yourself swag, t-shirts, hats, all that crap. Let's get into this. All right. Sorry for the clap here. I got excited. So we're going to revisit my predictions. I already forget offhand what episode it was uh, towards the end of the the lacrosse season last year that I had made these predictions, but these were, oh, I I do have it. Episode 161. I made my first round tournament predictions. I mentioned that I I never go back and check my predictions. So like I said, Tim Lamity. You're the one who requested it. You're honestly the first person, I think, that has has formally hit me up in, in a private chat or, or, or an email or something like that and said, hey, do you ever do a recap of your predictions? So today is the day that we're going to go through and do that. So here we go. Uh, and I and I actually am going to sound really smart in these first three. When I was going through and kind of writing this up and figuring out what the hell it was I said, I, I was telling my wife, I was like, holy crap, like I nailed this first one. UNC versus Monmouth. I predicted UNC by 12. Reality, UNC won that game by 12. 16-4, exactly as I said it would play out. I had talked about how Monmouth had a, a solid veteran defense, but that they hadn't seen anything like uh, UNC yet, and that was that was the case. UNC came out, rolled them very quickly. They went up 6-0, 6-1, and then next thing you know, it was 12-1, to and that was all she wrote. Chris Gray, 4-2, Will Perry, 1-4, and one would think me an oracle at that point for nailing that one I know I myself didn't even remember as I watched that game play out I had no recollection of what I had predicted already like the the week or that that weekend before that probably that morning before those games took place I made that prediction so yeah I nailed that first game now the Second game that we picked, or that I picked. I always say we. Just no. It's just me. Just me here in my corner of my office doing this all by myself. I say we because I'm so used to work-wise saying we, and because I'm in my office and I feel kind of like I'm working at times when I do this. Uh, I say we a lot. Uh, Duke versus High Point. Uh, predicted Duke by seven. I said that that hype that even though Duke had totally kicked High Point's Dixon early in the earlier in the year, I didn't think there was going to be another dick kicking. Uh, but that Duke was going to win, and they were going to win by a margin. The reality was Duke by six. They won 16-10, so not quite an oracle-level prediction, but a sound prediction nonetheless. As I thought, High Point played a lot tougher on the defensive side of the field. It was 10-5 at the half. You kind of had the idea that Duke had this game in the bag, but High Point played a respectable tournament game, which is what you need to do when you get to the tournament. If your team team is ever going to, to you know, get to that next level, playing a reasonably you know, a reasonable tournament game in that first round against the the high seeds when you're the low seed getting in, you gotta do that. Uh Asher Nolting, he played well in the loss, a goal and three helpers. Mike Powell in his first playoff game, he looked angry throughout that game. He played aggressive, he played well, four goals, four helpers. He did not disappoint in his first playoff game. So that was that prediction. And so so far I was kind of two for two. I kinda nailed the first two. Uh, and I even said in the video though I threw the caveat out that hey these first couple of games I'm predicting of the higher seeds I'm going to be far more likely to be accurate not even just accurate in terms of getting the right the winner right but more accurate in the spreads I did mention that so I'm not trying to to really be as as cocky as I I sound um Maryland Vermont I predicted Maryland by nine I didn't like it I didn't like that prediction and you could tell I, I didn't want to make that prediction I felt like Vermont had a chance to hang a little closer, uh, which is what they ended up doing. I ended up getting that wrong, but I thought that in the end, Maryland was going to slow roll them to nine goals. The reality, Maryland by seven goals, 17 to 11. I, I mean, that's kind of a win. I predict nine. Vermont hangs a little tougher than we expected towards the end, and Maryland ends up winning by uh, by seven. So I, th- I call that three for three up to that point, not just in picking the winner, but three for three and even picking that spread and getting that right. I did say Tommy Bart- Burke was Vermont's only chance? I said Burke needed to win nine out of ten at the dot uh, in order for Vermont to to even hang within that range or to have any chance at all. I was wrong because Burke he only won eleven of twenty six draws and Vermont still hung in a respectable manner. So I, I did get that flow of the game wrong. I also had predicted that Jared Bernhardt wouldn't totally fuck Vermont up due to not needing to because I figured okay hey you know Maryland's just going to have dudes all over the roster scoring goals. I, so I I felt like that was a sound prediction. If, if you're, if your big cat doesn't need to go out and just thrash the other team, sometimes they don't. And sometimes everybody gets involved and it's not a bad way to play it early in a playoff game. I didn't realize that Bernhardt's brother was an assistant coach for Vermont. If I had realized that Bernhardt's brother was an assistant coach for, for Vermont, I would have never uh, gone that route. I would have assumed that Bernhardt was going to put the six and one up that he did in that game. So I got that wrong. Um, I, a sim- similar scenario when I was coaching high school lacrosse, I was an assistant coach at Shenango Forks. We were, uh, we had a, a good team, but that year we weren't as good as we had been in years prior. It was a down year for them. So we're playing my old, the school that I played for Whitney point, And my cousin, Ryan short played for Whitney point at that time. And he was like, you know, there was two kids in the section in our region that were, you know, pretty much the best players in the section. And he was one of them. So I remember telling the other coaches, Hey, and I didn't, I must not have told them that we were related because here, the st- how the story plays out is funny. I told them, hey, that short kid, we need to pretty much shut short off. We did not have a defender on our roster at the close defense position. We had an all American long pole midfielder, but he floated all over the field. And we played a lot of zone defense with him at the top as kind of a rabbit chaser, trying to make him a disruptor all over the field. So we didn't have anybody that could hang with Ryan Short. And I knew that nobody could. So I had told them we got to shut him off pretty much, like not let him touch the ball, cut down his looks. And they were like, no, we're not going to come out of our defensive strategy for this one kid. They were sure we were going to be able to handle him. Beginning of the game, he had already scored a goal or two in that first quarter. At one point, he comes over midfield to help with the clear, gets the ball, clears the ball past midfield. And as he runs right past our bench, I'm talking he's, you know, two yards off the sideline as he runs past our bench. He looks over at the sideline as he's carrying the ball upfield and looks right at me and says, what's up, bitch? He proceeds to run the rest of the way down the field, scores a goal, and then turns around and points at me. And the no no one really noticed what happened or anything like that. And the refs didn't really pay attention. But the other two coaches are looking to be like, yo, what what the hell was that? This kid just swore at us on the sideline at you specifically, and now he's pointing at you after scoring a goal. And I was like, yeah, I mean, didn't I tell you guys, this is my cousin, Ryan And my cousin. So, and not, not just my cousin, but like, you know, my first, my, my uncle's son, you know, we grew up next door to each other. i had even coached them a little bit in lacrosse and youth and crap like that. So, you know, we're, we're close. And uh, so that was great, but that's what we saw in the Maryland and the Vermont game. We saw Vermont, uh, their assistant coach get kind of uh, dragged over the coals by his younger brother, and uh, Bernhardt went six and one in that game, en route to the he- uh, the Heisman. Oh my gosh, en route to the uh, Twarton Award this year. Um, so yeah, that was cool. A little side story there for you. Virginia versus Bryant. Now once again, so so far I'm three for three, guys. Not just picking the winner, picking the spread and everything. I did get some flow of the game things wrong, but you know you can forgive me for that. Or, or- oracles aren't always correct, or are they? I'm not sure. Virginia versus Bryant. I picked this one as one of my upset alerts. UVA by five in the end is what I called, but I said it would hinge at the faceoff dot and UVA at best would pull away late. Reality, UVA by two, they did not pull away late. They were losing this game going into the fourth quarter. Uh, they end up winning 13-11. I said Bryant would have to play a perfect game and they legitimately did. They legitimately did. I talked about a key for Bryant being winning some faceoffs against Lasala. They did exactly that. They won 16 of 26. UVA had five faceoff violations in that game and actually caused Poor Petey at one point to. I believe they they brought in the replacement and he he didn't take nearly as many as uh, as as high of a percentage of the draws for UVA that he normally does, which is pretty much all of them. Um, so he had a rough game. No worries about his rough game there, though. He got he got people back. I called this one. I said you've uh, so. UVA was losing 10-9 going into the fourth quarter, picked it up, ended up winning by two goals thanks to a big fourth quarter. They outscored Bryant 4-1 over the quarter, over that final quarter. I did, uh, let's see here, what else did I call? I also said that, you know, as I already went over, I said that Bryant was capable of beating LaSalle at the dot, but that LaSalle would end up putting up a point to help kind of equalize those losses a little bit, which he did as well, which is always huge. Your face-off guy scores even one point in a game. That's a huge, huge uh, uh, factor in that game, usually, especially if the faceoff guy is losing a higher percentage of the draws than they're winning. The scoring goals, putting up points where the other guy doesn't is a huge equalizer in that way. So yeah, I got the game right, picked the winner right. I did not get the spread right. I called a five-goal win, and I figured that Virginia would be in control of a close game late and then would pull away. So they were losing the game late and then used four goals to, to, to win it by two. So I was close. I call that a half a win because I got the winner right, but I did not get the game flow right at all, although I did predict that Bryant would have to play perfect to to even be in the game and they did that. Now here's where we get things start getting ugly and this is by design like I, I had said in the beginning of that episode that I was going to be able to do a lot better at the higher seed level than I would as we got into the middle seeds and then the lower uh, the the lower games. All right. Georgetown versus Syracuse. I predicted this game was an upset alert by seed because I figured Cuse was going to beat Georgetown legitimately. I predicted Syracuse by two goals. I predicted that it was going to be a one goal game late. Cuse would score a dagger at the end to take a two goal lead and win the game. Uh, We can't expect me to be accurate on this one. As I always say, and I said this in the episode, I admitted I am a huge Cuse homer. I am too superstitious to pick against Syracuse for the most part. Uh, I I will almost always pick Syracuse, uh, or I won't. I, I tell the story in that in that episode about Joe Tromboli. I had um, forget what season it was. It was probably the 2019 season. I had picked Duke to beat Syracuse at Cicero North, Syracuse, where they were playing because they didn't play in the dome. And I had picked uh, uh, Duke to beat Syracuse because Syracuse had beat Duke the prior. Time, or maybe it was even the prior two times at that stage, and Syracuse ended up beating them at Cicero. Joe Tromboli had a lax factor shirt on, and then they, he did a video, sending me, a, you know, sent me a video chirping me saying, "Hey, you were wrong. Uh, Syracuse won." I couldn't, I couldn't have been happier to be wrong in that case. But like when it comes to tournament crap, I typically will pick Cuse. I pick typically pick Cuse to go to the Final Four because in my mind every year that's what's going to happen. So let's not talk about this one. Cuse got waxed. I was stupid wrong. Uh, screw this game. And let's move on. Notre Dame versus Drexel. I predicted in this one, Notre Dame by six goals, called four goals going into the fourth and the Irish would pull away. Once again, I was wrong. I picked the winner accurately, but I was wrong on the game flow and on the spread at the end because the reality was 7-3 Notre Dame at the half. I was kind of right there. Drexel outscored the Irish 4-1 in the third to go into the fourth down 8-7, but Notre Dame would take the game 10-8 by the end of it. I believe that Notre Dame was winning by that. I didn't really take the notes. Well, I think Notre Dame was winning by a goal going into the fourth. Could be wrong though. Either way, I was wrong with that game flow. Uh, I didn't think and N- Notre Dame would kick the crap out of them. I figured a six goal margin and I figured it was going to be one of those slow rolls to victory. Uh, I just screwed the pooch on the margin. Drexel played a lot better than I assumed they would. And I got it wrong. And I had said, I had said Drexel was a very good team, that even picking Notre Dame by six was painful, but that I figured you had, and like Notre Dame was just playing solid lacrosse, you know? So I felt confident in my prediction in the end, even though I knew that Drexel had, was capable of hanging. I just didn't think they would hang that closely with all. All right. Next one, Denver versus Loyola. The prediction. I called this one of my 50-50 games. Uh, I then, But then in the end, I said, I still think, even though this one could go either way, I still think Denver is going to end up winning by four. Totally got it wrong. The reality, Loyola won this game by two goals. I said Olmsted and Lindley needed to play off each other well to win this game, uh, but that defensively overall, they had been solid. I also said that Savio, Bailey Savio needed to play big at the faceoff dot uh, in order for Loyola to be able to have a chance. But despite it all, I still figured that Denver was going to win by that margin, by a four-goal margin, based on Loyola's struggles through the regular season and even getting into the tournament in the first place. I was wrong about Denver winning, because Loyola won. Worse, I said if Loyola was to win, Savio would have to have a big day at the X. Nope. 7 of 28 draws, and Loyola still won this game. I was right about the defense for Loyola, at least. Uh, I was right about Olmstead, 5 and 1. Lindley, he only had two goals in that game, but you know some big goals for him in order to help Loyola get that victory. So, you know, sometimes I'm not all that smart and this was one of those cases. I did pick Denver by 4. So, in so far I've got two wrong now here. And as soon as I got past that one half, the the top half of the bracket is where I start screwing the pooch badly. So, that was wrong. Loyola won and we all saw like that was an incredible game. One of the best games of the entire tournament was that Loyola and Denver game. It was incredible. Next one. And this is where this was one of my hot take games that I picked here. So, this was where I really started getting stupid. Rutgers versus Lehigh. I predicted that Lehigh was going to win in OT because I had to, at, at this point, I was picking the favorite outside of the Syracuse game in every game. So really what I should have done was pick Loyola to upset Denver. I didn't. And I legitimately thought that Lehigh on defense, that they were good enough. And I thought Lehigh uh, was going to win a boatload of face-offs. And I thought that that was going to be enough to, to help them upset Rutgers. I felt that the, the 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 Big Ten hadn't been battle-tested. Lehigh had not been much more battle-tested, but I thought, man, you put these two teams in the tournament and you let Lehigh win all these face-offs because of Sisselberger, that they're going to win this game. Not even close. Not even close. I claimed that Rutgers wouldn't even win 25% of the face-offs. I was wrong Rutgers rolled them, and I'm an idiot, and obviously I should never make predictions again. Rutgers wins 12-5 despite my pick of Lehigh winning in overtime. Did I get these right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, so that was eight of them. So that those were my tournaments. I got the Rutgers one wrong. Now, we advance and we go a little bit further and I did not prepare for these. So what I'll do in another episode is I'll recap my follow-up after that weekend where now we have the next round set and I make predictions at next round because by that point, Syracuse was already gone. So we'll see uh, next week's episode. We'll see how closely I, I, I predicted these after having a chance to prepare and look at everything. But off hip in that episode, I just said, hey, now that I picked these first round games, let me just pick off hip who's going to win through the rest of it. So I nailed the final four nailed my final four predictions, and I'll be curious if in the next episode, I nailed them again. And I went with what I had said initially, but I picked UNC to get out of their bracket. They did. I picked UVA to get out of their bracket. And I even, I said in that one, because I thought Syracuse was going to beat Georgetown, and I thought it was going to be a UVA-Cuse matchup to get out of that bracket. And I said that the problem with picking Cuse over UVA in that scenario was Cuse already beat them twice, and that it was very difficult to beat a team three times, especially when that third time you were facing them is in the NCAA tournament. When I was in high school, uh, our arch nemesis—and I wouldn't even call them our arch nemesis up to my senior year because they kicked the crap out of us all the time, leading up to that, or they always beat us anyway—was Johnson City. Um, I played for Whitney Point, and Johnson City is another school here, and they—they—they they, they had won the section or they had won at least our league uh, a couple of years in a row. So come my senior year, they beat us twice in the regular season, and we had to play them in the sectional. What was it? It must have been the sectional semifinals. Uh, We had to play them uh, my senior year, and you know, third third time, and we're not feeling great about it. Although we were just happy to make the playoffs, I think we ended up getting the three seed in the playoffs, and they were the two seed. We got the three seed over uh, Corning West, and um, I remember there was a picture where after we got seated, it's us in the locker room all flipping off the camera or whatnot, like in between as we were all getting ready to you know make that playoff playoff run there. Um, so I had, we hit, we beat him the moral. I'm just rambling now. Moral of the story. We beat them. The, the, the third time was a charm. We end up beating him by like two goals or something like that to advance to the sectional finals. where finals, where we, pre- uh, proceeded to get our dicks kicked in by Corning East 21 to seven. So we beat Johnson city only to head up to Corning and get absolutely smoked in the sectional finals. I think I had like a, a, a goal and an assist or two goals and an assist or some crap like that. I can't remember. It was ugly. Uh, finals prediction. Uh, so yeah, so, oh wait, I'm not even done with that yet. So yeah, I picked uh, UVA to get out of that bracket. I went on my tangent and almost lost my place. Maryland out of their bracket, but with that one, I, so I nailed the Maryland one as well, but I admitted that I thought Notre Dame was going to win. And I was only picking Maryland because I knew that I couldn't pick an all ACC final four. Turned out I was right. I shouldn't do that. And then I picked Duke to get out of their bracket. So I picked the final four, right? UNC, UVA, Maryland, and Duke. This is where things go off the rails again, because once again, when shit really matters, I cannot predict anything. Finals predictions, I picked Duke over Maryland and uh, UNC over UVA. So I got both of those wrong. And then I picked Duke to win it all. And with that one, I was obviously very wrong as well. So those were my predictions, top to bottom. I'm an idiot. I should never make predictions. And I apologize for it. Now, what else we have to talk about here? Fall ball fall ball updates. I, you know, nothing huge here, but one thing that I got wrong in my episode where I was talking about the attack that I'm excited was I thought Matt Moore was gone. That's one of the things I had mentioned. It's really tough at this point to know who's, who's staying, who's going and just doing that mental math in your head on the fly. You're like, well, Matt Moore should be gone. I figured Matt Moore was gone. Matt Moore is not gone. Matt Moore, I believe is still playing for Virginia, which means that man, Virginia is going to be filthy. At least offensively, Virginia might be better this upcoming season than they were last year because now you're going to get Cormier and and Schellenberger both on attack with with more. I would assume most of the time. Xander Dixon looked really good over the weekend. I think he had two goals against Canada. I think he had two or three against Team USA, and a couple of them were very nice. Like I believe they said he had a high highlight real goal against Canada that I ended up not seeing but he scored a nice coming up the left side, scored a right-handed backhander uh, against Team USA. So Xander Dixon looked really nice. So expect him to fill, you know, one of the roles, probably get some midfield runs and crap like that. I'm wondering if you'll see UVA maybe even mix it up a little bit on attack and maybe get Dixon some runs at attack, maybe bring Cormier and Schellenberger or more off the bench, just because... It worked last year. By the end of the year, they were all playing ridiculous lacrosse. And Cormier, Schellenberger, they had both gotten runs at mid. Uh, Laviano had even at one point been brought off the field to run mid until they put him back down at attack again. So I wonder if you'll see them earlier in the season play around with that the the lineups, maybe not even as a plan to keep things that way, but just to give guys different looks, force them to be able to kind of learn to dodge anywhere on the field, You know, get that chemistry going. Uh, make everyone feel like they're contributing at the positions maybe that they want to play. We'll see. But Dixon looked really good. Uh, Cormier looked good as always. Uh, Schellenberger, I didn't really get to notice much. Let's be honest here. I mean, they're playing pro lacrosse players in this game. You could tell early that UVA was struggling a little bit with pace. And I don't know if that's all these pro guys just came off the PLL season. So maybe they're well-conditioned and the college kids aren't yet. I think that more than likely, it's just that they're playing the best lacrosse players in the world. And when you're a Connor Schellenberger and you've got, I don't know who was guarding him, but I'm sure he was filthy. That's going to be rough. So you could tell that Virginia had a hard time getting settled offensively early. And when they did get the ball, because they were losing a lot of faceoffs to to Baptiste early on, When they did get the ball, they would rush a little, rush their shots a little because it was tough to get shots off. But in the end, I mean, UVA looked good. They they tightened things back up. I think they only ended up losing by a goal, and it came right down to the end. But like I said, uh, Xander Dixon looked great in both games. Uh, He what what did he put up? Ten goals, ten helpers last year in twenty twenty one. So he'll he'll fill some of the holes there on that offensive side, and he's going to look great. So. It, that was it. I'll I'll probably touch on what we found out from this weekend's round. You know, a, a bunch, there's a bunch of events that went on. I tried this morning to find scores and some things like that. I know Penn looked really good um, in, I think it was Kinnear from Inside Lacrosse had posted a little bit about Penn in their fall ball games. I believe that was Friday or Saturday night. Friday night must be. They played, and he said they looked really good. And, and, and they were beating Penn State up at one point, and I, f- I forget who they beat before that. Maybe it was Lehigh or something like that. So that was really it. I know Syracuse had their fall ball scrimmage, but that's inner inter-squad scrimmage, so that doesn't really excite me all that much. So as we start to get into the the close of the fall ball season, I think I'm going to try to hit the Ohio State-Syracuse fall ball game. Hoping they do that at Cortland again. One year we went to Cortland uh, to watch them play Denver, and that was a pretty cool place to see them all play. Nice big stadium there in Cortland, a good venue. So we'll see. I'll try to get to that one. And if I get to that one, maybe we'll have some video as well. But yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about fall ball because as we, you know, as the week goes on, some of these teams will start putting crap out. Michigan played. I think um, Robert Morris, I know there was uh, Robert Morris played uh, uh, some D2 teams. I think we're at that one because I think Seaton Hill, Seton Hill played. I saw in my Facebook feed or whatnot. So uh, that's it. That's it that's the episode. Hopefully you watch this on Spotify since we're uh, putting it up on Spotify for the first time today, assuming it goes up properly and everything works. Uh, and again, I apologize for skipping last weekend. A, it was a slow news weekend. B, my whole family had been sick all that week. So we were coming off. I dodged it. Uh, it was not the Rona. Um so yeah, I it was just one of those deals where everybody was beat. I was still t- kind of trying to chip in and help the fam out a little bit because we just had gone through a whole week of everybody being sick as dogs. So, I ended up skipping last weekend and then two, I don't know what day I'm going to do this. I wanted to do them on Saturdays, but yesterday morning there was nothing to talk about, or I hadn't come up with anything to talk about yet, so hence you seeing me here today. So, that is all. I will be back next week though. Probably I'm just going to stick to Sundays because it's a hell of a lot easier to do. Sundays are always slower. And I'll try to do a better job of putting a legitimate schedule up for everyone here. May get lucky here and there. We may throw some up during the week. But right now, while we're doing slow news, it's just going to be hit and miss. I'm going to do a show, try to do at least one every week on Sunday, and maybe we'll throw some stuff out during the week. But that's it. I'll be back next weekend. Plan on Sunday morning. Maybe we'll even mess with some live streams here and there, as I keep saying. But don't hold me to anything. We're not in the season yet. And it's a slow news period. Last year, we were all crazy pumped because we got the season shit canned on us. It was much easier to talk about college lacrosse just due to the fact that everybody, there was lots of speculation and everybody was pumped because of the lost season. This year, I find it's just slow news, slow news, man. Not a lot of movement in the transfer portal. Not that matters, at least. Not like before. So that's all. Everybody, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Be sure to come back next week. Uh, Like, subscribe, share this with everybody. Uh, Go to laxfactor.com. You can get yourself swag if you want to help us before that. And that is it. Hoost is out.